This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 14 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Smooth Stride Jeans, and Cashel Products. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with a thoroughbred makeover and new vocations. Today, we talked to Anna Ford, the Program Director of New Vocations Racehorse Adoption, about the program's beginnings and what future adopters should keep in mind when adopting their first horse. Kristen Kovach-Bentley comes on to talk about her new role at the Retired Racehorse Project and what to look out for for the upcoming Thoroughbred Makeover. And our RRP Spotlight writer is Claire Mansman, who is sharing her road to the makeover story on Eventing Nation. And of course, we have our New Vocations Winter Circle Adoptable Horse of the Month. Stay tuned! And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Oh my gosh, it's so close. The makeover is so close. Are you like panicking yet? Are you like getting excited? Okay, so you had to finalize your horse selection, and I have two that have been battling tooth and nail, to, you know, back and forth, trying to figure out who I'm going to take. And officially, Baby Groot, hashtag lost my way. That's his actual jockey club name. Lost my way, and I are making the trip, Lord willing, in the creek don't rise, to Kentucky in October. Yeah, so he is the horse that I selected, and then we also had to name what disciplines we're going to compete in. So, you know, I'm an eventer by trade, and I mean, I grew up hunter-jumper. I did like 20 years of hunter-jumpers, but I forgot all that. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> I don't remember any of that stuff, and I don't have the clothes or the tack or all the cool stuff that you get to have when you ride other disciplines. All I have is my gritty, dirty eventing stuff, so I thought, let's just keep it simple. Do what you know. And that is eventing. So Groot and I, baby Groot and I will be competing in the uh, eventing portion. And because my co-host on Horses in the Morning also challenged me. Oh, God, my pulse is raising and my hands are sweaty. I signed him up for freestyle as well. Oh, dear God. What is it? I don't know. We don't put pressure on yourself at all. No, I mean, like, it's like dressage test times a million because like in a dressage test, you go in there, you're by yourself. Every movement is being judged, but it's the same movement everybody's doing. So you just do those movements better than others. This one is completely different. The, like I was watching some of the videos of last year's freestyle joy. Oh my God. God, Why did I do that? That is terrible (laughs) pressure. The same level of don't go on WebMD when you're having a slight fever. (laughs) It's only going to tell you you're going to die. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was like, okay, this chick comes in and she's like uh, uh, this beautiful black horse comes galloping in Liberty circles her, like lays down. She gets on it. She rides a bridalist and she didn't even freaking win. Okay, like the winner was like these people dressed up in minion costumes, like running into these horses with children on. Uh, That's not going to that's not me. I am going with the attempt to keep him in the arena the entire time because it's an indoor arena and we're having it's it, it, if it goes as well as I'm thinking or I'm hoping not thinking 
she goes as well as I'm hoping, then we'll survive. If it does not go well, then you know what? You guys can laugh at me. So <laughs> that's basically well, I mean, it. my number one goal for any type of horse show is stay on the saddle and don't lose my horse. And I feel like if you can do two of those things, you're fine and you're doing great. My whole thing with the venting is stay in and stay on. That yep. is it. Yeah. So I did take Baby Groot to his first ever horse trial while we were uh, between last episode and this one. I went to Feather Creek Horse Trials and we did the intro division, which intro is 18 inches <laughs> and cross trails. You got to start somewhere. And you got to start somewhere. More, I was more concerned about just getting him in the environment of a horse show because you can't, you just can't fake that. You can cross country school all you want and you can do go travel places, but until you're actually dressed up, braided, competing with the nerves and everything and everybody else's nerves around you then you're you just you can't fake it Mm -hmm. so we did that and you know can you guess the one place where he was the worst nightmare just take a guess dressage before that just the warm-up arena why are (laughs) warm-up arenas so crazy (laughs) well all etiquette goes out the window it's survival of the fittest in a warm-up arena it is crazy warm-up arenas are nightmares so uh, there was at one point i didn't think i would actually get him in the show jump arena and so i had somebody to like be on standby just in case i need a lead in but you know what he marched in there and he jumped everything perfect granted it was cross rails and granted we did trot but this week we have actually at home begun cantering fences so he's cantered at least eight fences now so i have like a month to get him ready for a beginner novice horse trial so what the hell and your son's (laughs) going back to school so you can like really focus and practice yeah except for it's like you know august and crazy hot and i guess this will be airing it's mid-august right now and it's like humid and terrible so yeah yeah, good times So positives. Yeah. yeah. It's um we're we're cantering jumps now. So and the the test, the dressage test at intro is walk trot. So now we're learning on cantering on cue on the correct lead. So, you know, nothing like waiting to the last minute, Joy. You, you do it. what you gotta do though. He had other issues we had to address, and so we've addressed those and now we're moving forward and we have a lot of ground to cover. It's gonna before. be great. And I'm gonna bring <laughs> champagne at the thoroughbred makeover. We're gonna celebrate you surviving. Can we drink it before? (laughs) It's your champagne, girl. We can do whatever you need. We can do whatever we want. (laughs) Well, how's life in your thoroughbred world? It's so fun. So one of my students just got a new off-the-track thoroughbred. He raced in New York. His name is The Yank. That's a great name. We have changed his name to Bucky Barnes, and his show name is The Winter Soldier, which I love. Perfect. Yes, and he is just the coolest. He's about 16'3", big bay very obvious why his racing career was super short because he is way too chill like in a past life this horse was at woodstock like (laughs) just so chill he's perfect hunter type we're gonna try some dressage with him i'm like i don't even know if he's gonna have like that kind of energy but his first day at the farm he just kind of looked at everyone's like this is cool oh okay there's horses over here that's cool we took him for some walks on the trail and he's like everything's great I love this. Wow. I yeah. want that feed. He Whatever you're just, feeding that horse. I know. Yeah. He's just really, really easy going. You know, we got on him after his first week and a half, just kind of gave him some downtime. And yeah, he just walked, trot, cantered. Really, really easy. A little bit of struggling with the left lead, but he just keeps working at it. He's got a great work ethic. So I'm super excited to work with him and see where they go. All right. Well, since you mentioned the left lead, I'm going to throw out my hypothesis. There are horses 
that are terrible on the left lead. And they're like, every racehorse just immediately picks up the left lead. Well, that is not true. Mm-mm. And I feel like it directly corresponds to how successful they were on the track. I think that horses that are terrible on the track actually have better right leads, which is why they don't do well at the track. Cause they are not comfortable in their left lead and they're going around the turn and they lose a lot of ground because they're more comfortable. They're right-handed. So there's my moment of hypothesis. I will and- add to your hypothesis that my horse who is actually great on the left lead was actually very good on the track as well. See? Exactly. It could be true. Somebody's going to contact me to write a paper someday. (laughs) And I'm going to say, you write the paper. I'll just give you the details because I don't write. (laughs) Um, Well, listen, we've got a great show lined up. I'm super excited to talk to so many of these people. But let's first hear from our title sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. No words can describe the depth of the bond between a horse and his person. A kiss at the gate just before you turn him out. The soft touch of his muzzle on your hand as he scoops up the treat out of your palm. The warmth of his body under your legs as you saunter bareback across the pasture. The beat of his hooves as you gallop in perfect rhythm cross-country. The sensation of flying as you clear the oxer. The sense of peace that comes over you as you walk together down the quiet trail. The sound of him contently eating his dinner. The feel of his warm, soft coat under your hand. The feeling you get when it's just you and your horse. It's why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Equijewel. Fight back against an energy crisis that can impact condition and performance. Equijewel is a high-fat, low-starch and sugar formula that was developed to safely meet the energy needs of your horse. The horse that matters to you matters to us. Well, I would like to welcome to the show, Anna Ford, the program director of New Vocations. Hello, Anna. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on to join us. Talk to us a little bit about, I mean, we all know and everybody just is addicted to online surfing for their next dream horse on New Vocations website. And you guys have been a great partner with us uh, through this entire show. So tell everybody a little bit of the history of New Vocations. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. And yeah, so our the history of New Vocations, funny because a lot of people ask me, you know, how long have you been involved? And I'm like, well, from the very beginning, because um, my mom actually started the program, Dot Morgan, in 1992. And at that time, I was in high school, not to date myself or age myself. <laughs> but um, And uh, yeah, I was uh, back then I was, I rode all of the horses that she had come in. The first year, um, there was maybe 24, 25 horses came in. And then the next year, I think it it nearly doubled to 50 and it just kind of has, you know, grown um, from that to where we're taking in anywhere from four, you know, 450 horses or more. So, so yeah, so it it started out as just a a single farm. It was actually my parents' uh, farm. My dad is a standard bread trainer, still is. And she basically had learned about that in the thoroughbred industry back in the day in 92, that there wasn't a lot of options for horses retiring from the racetrack and that a lot of them were just given away and given to anybody that would take them. And some were going to good homes and a lot, you know, were not going to good homes. And she was a 4-H advisor and was like, oh my gosh, I have all these great riders that can't afford 
nice horses and you've got all these really nice horses that just need some training and they could, you know, be affordable for these young uh, riders. And so that's kind of how it all started. Um, Your mama's business plan, that business plan was genius. Let's take a bunch of off the track thoroughbreds and I'll just get my daughter to ride them. Perfect. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Genius woman, oh, yeah. genius. She, she was always <laughs> taking advantage of our of having good manual labor. So, so <laughs> manual that, labor <laughs> in that vein, like, did you like having that as a position, or was she like ride this one? You're like, I don't want to. I want to go to the mall. Or were you just all in? No, no, no. I, yeah, no, I did. I actually really enjoyed it. It was funny because my sister was very much into showing, and I really did not enjoy showing at all. I was more, I always enjoyed the training side of things and the development side of things and riding at home. And I, I just didn't really care for the showing aspect as much as she did. So I I did, I really, I I saw as a challenge, obviously the horses weren't the easiest to ride at that stage. So, so no, I, I did enjoy it for sure. Sibling rivalry involved any? No, not at all. <laughs> Come on, give us some drama, Anna. There had to be like, I'm better than you. I ride the wild ones. And she's like, I show and I beat you all the time. I mean, that had to be some trash. Well, talk. we were four, yeah, we were four years in difference in age. So there was, we never competed against each other. Uh, so yeah, because we always had to share whatever horse we were showing because we were in two different age groups that worked out just fine. So, but yeah, so there wasn't, I did probably win more. But uh-huh. here we go. The truth <laughs> is coming out. Exactly. So when did you kind of transition into taking over for your mama? Well, she's still our executive director, although we're trying, you know, she's eventually she's still up at the initial office in, in Laura, Ohio. And the long-term goal is for her to transition down here so that we can all be in our new office down here. But is I went Kentucky? off to college and yeah, in Kentucky and Lexington. And I didn't do anything with horses in college. And then when I got, when I graduated, I ended up getting back involved. And that's when we opened a second facility. So I really didn't want to stay in the area that where I grew up and I went to Ohio State. So it kind of worked out naturally that we basically decided we were doing thoroughbreds to begin with only and then she branched out and started doing standard breads too and mm-hmm. so um I said you know I I think it'd be more I could be of help and I'd like to be involved but I'm only interested in doing the thoroughbreds obviously her background was standard bread so it was kind of like a natural progression to say hey I'll open a new facility second facility in Columbus Ohio and I'll just do thoroughbreds and you can just do the standard breads and that's you know, how, kind of how we got started. Nice. So, Absolutely. oh, go ahead, Jamie. Yeah. Well, I was just saying, so you've seen a lot of horses obviously come off the racetrack and begin the transition into their new career. What are some things that you would tell a new adopter? Like these are the must do's or the must haves or the, you know, just the, the top training tips you can give them. Well, I think just take a step back even before they get a horse, I think it's very important for anyone interested in getting a thoroughbred um, to, or any horse in general, but really a thoroughbred to, to make sure they know what their, what their goals are with the horse. Um, a lot of people, I think, aren't always real honest with themselves on what realistically they're going to be doing with the horse. And I only say that because we have a lot of adopters that, you know, we read their 
they have to fill an application and go through all that and then talking to them and they come and visit the horse and it's like, oh my gosh, they, they, they want, you know, the perfect horse that can do three, six hunters and blah, blah, blah. And I can't tell you how many times those people end up never even going above two, six. And I don't know what it is. I think it's more people have, you know, this great, like they really want to reach that level, but maybe they're don't have the time and the, to put the training in to go that high or, I don't know. It just seems like there's sometimes unrealistic expectations put mm-hmm. on some of the horses that we get. Which and, probably um, in that situation, <clears throat> they want a three, six horse, but a two, six horse may have a previous injury or something, which would be fine for the job that they want. Exactly. So we have so many amazing horses that can do a lot of things. But when you say I want a two, six hunter, or I want a two, six jumper, or I want a you know, four star adventure that rules out a lot of horses. But if you're like, Oh no, I'm like, I show two or three times a year. That's the majority of our horses can do that, you know? Right. And so a lot of adopters overlook some very, very nice horses because they aren't like their expectations are really high and they need to be more honest on what do they actually have the time to do. And, and, you know, so then we have all these really great horses that, you know, get overlooked and when in all reality, they would have been very suitable for, for many of those adopters. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so I think that's one of the things you have to really be specific. And that's the other thing. If you write down, like if they've, so that we write down like what they really are looking for in a horse and what would, what they want, um, and then go look for the horse, that'll help them stay focused on getting the horse that they need because, it's interesting when we, we've done the study where we have horses adopted just from our videos and our photos and talking to our trainers. And then we have horses that people come and they see them and they greet them and get to see them go. Our return rate is less with those people who adopt sight unseen. Really? Crazy. Why? But the reason I, the reason I believe it is, is because when you're not, physically looking at the horse and walking through the barn full of beautiful faces, you're more focused on what you really need and what you're looking for versus, you know, like when you like going to the pound or dog rescue, like you think you want the, the fluffy dog, but you get there and then there's that little cute one that just gives you the eyes, you know, and you're like, Oh, well then I got that one. And then you get at home and you're like, but this, you know, several months later, you're like, he's so cute, but this really isn't the dog I, I needed, you know? So right. I think that tends to happen more when you've, see the horses in person. So not saying don't go see the horses in person, but have it pretty clear cut what you're looking for and kind of stay on that track versus, you know, varying off of it when you go and see the horses in person. Okay. So be focused, be clear, know what your goals are, know what you realistically are going to do with the horse. Once you adopt a horse, what is the first thing you should do? Uh, So when you bring it home? Sure. Yeah. When you bring it home. So, so yeah, you bring your horse home. Well, it's funny because you, the first thing you shouldn't do is ride your horse. (laughs) (laughs) And it amazes me how many people will ship our horses anywhere from four hours to 12 hours. Horse gets off the trailer and they get on it and ride within the first 24 hours. And that's like the worst thing you could ever do to a horse and transition. And so um, we actually put in our paperwork, whether people follow or not, that's really up to them. You know, like, please do not ride your horse for a week. That's long, but we really feel like when you get your horse home, first of all, all of our horses are still in transition from one life to a second life. And 
every time they change their environment, there's going to be another transition phase where they need to get used to the sights, the sounds, the food, their friend, new friends, like everything's new. So if a horse is going to do something stupid or act out of the ordinary, it's going to be that first week. Mm-hmm. So chance, you know, so it's best not to be on their back if they're going to do that, you know? So we always try to recommend people let their horse just settle that first week, get to know them, get make sure that they're settled and that they're eating properly and that they're socializing properly and that they seem overall quiet and adjusted to their setting. And we do the same thing here. Like we rarely will ride a horse the first day it gets here, the first week that it gets here, we let it relax, settle in when it's eating well and it's both physically and mentally, you know, doing well, then we'll start asking for, start doing some transitional training. Cause if you're trying to transitional train a horse or do even just regular training on a horse that's not settled, it doesn't, it doesn't help at all. You know, if anything, it, it makes things worse. Um, so that would be my, my biggest piece of advice is just to let, make sure the horse can settle and adjust. And, you know, some definitely will settle a lot quicker and others might take longer than a week to settle, you know? So mm-hmm. gotcha. just so, watch your horse. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So, and I'd love to talk about your book too, because when I got my new vocations horse, your book really walked me through from beginning to end of kind of what I was getting into with my first thoroughbred. Can we, can you kind of give the inspiration behind Beyond the Track? Yeah. So it was funny because it was 2000 and they dates wrong. I think 2005, maybe 2006. I was trying to find a book for our doctors because we just kept having the same generic questions and issues from our doctors. And a lot of it was just basic things of, you know, like that first week of when you get the horse home or transitioning them to new turnout lots and, you know, feeding them and your first ride and round pen work, all that kind of stuff. And so I was actually surfing the internet, trying to find like, sure, there's a book out there on transitioning thoroughbreds or, you know, how to do this, that we could then purchase and give to our adopters. And the only one I could find was one that was produced in Europe. And, but there was a local Trafalgar Square was, was, um, I don't know, like uh, they had it available to on their website. So I contacted them to see if we could, you know, purchase some of those. And um, the um, owner of, I think Martha's owner said, Hey, I, you know, it's interesting that you call because this is a European version and we've been looking for someone to write, you know, American version because we feel like there's, a lot of terminology that's different and, you know, the mm-hmm. horse's backgrounds are different, how they're trained in Europe. And she's like, do you know anybody that would be interested? And I said, you know, I, I don't, but let me think about it. And I, I'm pretty sure I actually sent her some names because the last thing I was thinking about or wanting to do was write a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sent her some names and had thought about it. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, you know, we handle so many horses on a yearly basis. Like how hard would it be to put something together? So I called her back and I said, well, you know, what, what is the process of writing a book? I'm like, I, I'm a writer with an R, not a writer with a W, <laughs> but I, you know, so I really don't have a clue on like what this would be, what would be entailed. And she said, well, we'll give you a co-writer who would actually, you know, you give all the details and then they put it together and 
help with the flow and everything. And so she basically talked made it sound very easy that it could be done very easily. <laughs> You're like, we need an um, expert on this. Oh, wait, I'm the expert. So here <laughs> we go. So, so yeah, needless to say, that's where the book came from. It was not nearly as easy or even a fraction of as easy as they said it was, but <laughs> never, never is. glad that we yeah, glad that, I mean, once you're halfway in, you're like, oh my gosh, there's no looking back, you got to finish it. So a lot of long hours at night uh, putting that book together. And we did, it's, you know, it was written for like, for, like you said, for people that it, this is their first thoroughbred. It's not written for, you know, people that have dealt with thoroughbreds a lot and that maybe are already trainers even, you know. So there's there's a lot of very, you know, beginner steps level that some people will be like, Oh, we already know that. But it was written that way because that seems to be our, it was written for our average adopter so that they could have as many how to steps and something to follow as possible. I think that's great. I mean, um, Oh, go ahead. And I'm sorry. And then I was going to say last year we just revised it. So I don't know if you had the revised version or not. No, but now I'm going to have to go buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Sarah Coleman, she helped revise it with me and we actually did redid ninety percent of the photos, and then just had to update some of the information. Um, and that, so yeah, that wasn't. It was not nearly <laughs> nearly as tough as the first time. I mean, your hairstyle, little... your hairstyle was like so two thousand. You needed like two thousand nineteen photo for your hair <laughs> and clothes. Well, I'm not in any. I'm not in any photos <laughs> <laughs> in the book. That's the other thing. We had we have more of a team now. <laughs> no longer a one man show. So. Well, great. Where can people go? What what where where would you suggest people start when they're looking for their off the track thoroughbred? Would you just send them to the New Vocations website, horseadoption.com? Yep, our website. Obviously, we have facilities here in Kentucky, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, and now Louisiana. You know, there's there are a lot of good aftercare programs out there. You can look on the thoroughbredaftercare.org. That's the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. They list all of the programs throughout the country. So I would start with with an actual aftercare program. You know, some of the listing services are are great for professionals that, you know, can pick a horse out from, you know, a photo. But for most amateurs and most individuals, the benefits that you get from getting a horse from an adoption program is that at least if you come through new vocations, like we have a lot of the history from the horse horse while it was at the track. Um, Our vets have seen the horse. We have normally vet records on the horse if there was any issue or injury. We have all that in file. We often have x-rays, ultrasounds, vet reports. They are all available. We've socialized the horse to being turned out. We've ridden the horse. We can tell you so much more. And our prices are normally cheaper too. So it always amazes me that sometimes people, you know, choose to just buy privately, maybe because they don't want to fill out an application or sign a contract. But the the benefits of going through an adoption program are just, I feel, greatly outweigh the other routes. So I would strongly encourage that. Fantastic. Well, Anna Ford from New Vocations, the book is Beyond the Track, Retraining the Thoroughbred from Racehorse to Riding Horse. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Anna. We appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. Historic amounts of rainfall in the U.S. have caused issues everywhere, especially when it comes to the number of pests. Protect your equine friends with Cashel Company's full line of chemical-free fly protection. 
The Cashel Company's Crusader Fly Mask has a patented design for maximum comfort and protection from insects and also protects from harmful UV rays up to 70%. Available in an array of styles and sizes, Cashel Company Crusader line of fly protection is a chemical-free alternative to fly sprays that can contain chemicals, are expensive, and don't last for long periods of time. The Crusader line from Cashel Company can protect your horse from head to toe. Available in fly masks, fly sheets, and fly boots. The unique adjustable design helps reduce stomping caused by insect-induced stress and fits any horse in the barn. For more information on Cashel products, visit one of their nationwide authorized dealers or visit www.cashelcompany.com and stay connected by following them on Facebook and Instagram. Well, I have one of my favorite people on with us today. Kristen Kovach-Bentley is not just a beloved auditor. She is also a very successful writer. You might have seen her work uh, with Horse Nation. Although you've started a new career now, Kristen, can you tell us about your newest adventure? Yeah, it's really fun now. Not only do I still see myself on the internet, but I also see it in print. So I am now the program manager for the Retired Resource Project, um, which I already thought I had a dream job, and this is another dream job. So lucky me, just had a whole row of dream jobs right in a row. No kidding. I want to know what like stars and things that you're under, because everything seems to be aligning for you on that level. And you actually competed with the Thoroughbred Makeover with your current horse now. How did that all kind of, what made you do that? Like, I, I'm just watching your life and I'm like, how do I live that life? I want to live that life, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought about that the other day and I was like, I am a very lucky person, like knock wood. But, you know, I've just, I've had a lot of good luck in my life and mm-hmm. I was very lucky to cross paths with this little thoroughbred. Well, I say little, I mean, he's, probably 16 hands. I've never put a stick on him, but I'm very tall. He fits me. So we'll call him about 16. <laughs> I was very lucky to cross paths with him, uh, with Jobber Bill. So he's a 2009 gilding who's bred in Ontario. He did all his racing in Canada. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. I think he made 39 starts and he earned a little over 78,000. So he was pretty accomplished. Um, he was really good at finishing second, not very good at winning, but I guess he paid his way for a long time. So um, and he's just a good nugget, and he apparently is very well suited to being a ranch horse. So, yeah, very lucky just to cross paths with him. So, a friend of mine had been his exercise rider in the mornings, and she said, "You know, I always liked Jobber because he never was going to throw me off." And I was like, "That is the thoroughbred I want. <laughs> Give <laughs> me the one that the exercise riders want." So, so that's, yeah. that's like my you know one piece of advice to anybody who's shopping. Like if you can talk to the exercise riders and they're like, oh yeah, we all fight over that one. Get that one. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. So were you actively so searching then for a horse at um, the time? Yeah. So I had watched, I think the, yeah, I've been watching the 2017 finale um, because, you know, I've been following the Retired Resource Project, especially through Horse Nation, just, you know, to keep an eye on sort of what was going on. And it was a cool project. And the more I watched, the more, especially when I got to the ranch work, I was like, I feel like I could do this. <laughs> yeah. So, and it had been several years since I had last been in the show ring. Um, and I had gotten, frankly, kind of burned out on it. And I was like, I don't even like horses for like about 24 hours, you know, and that <laughs> really didn't stick. So, um, but I had just been trail riding and pushing cows around on uh, my husband's family farm and then decided, you know what, like, I think this would be a good project for me. I think it would sort of rejuvenate my horsemanship and maybe get me back into the show ring a little bit. Um, and I was just, you know, thinking at the time, like maybe in a couple of years, this will be something cool to work towards, but I really had to find the right horse. So on the farm, 
we don't have like a permanent, we have a permanent barn, but we don't keep the horses inside. So they live out 24 hours. They have access to plenty of shelter, you know, and they do really well on hay. But I knew that from what I'd heard, that was not really necessarily a great way that many thoroughbreds are happy being kept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I knew I have to find just the right horse. And conveniently at the same time, my friend Jacqueline was like, you know, I can't really keep this jobber horse. And I've barely ridden him over the past year. And I said, wait a minute. And you said barely ridden. What do you actually mean? So <laughs> she and I pulled out a calendar and we went back over the you know past 10 months and counted and she had ridden him a total of 12 times. Um, and at this point, I'm sure your listeners know that you need to have no more than 15 rides prior to December 1st to keep a horse makeover eligible. And all of a sudden, like all the pieces sort of fell into place. So all of a sudden I was like, well, I'm going to borrow the truck and trailer and I'm going to go to Canada. That's cool with everybody. And I brought home the horse. So you got him basically <laughs> sight unseen. Yes. Yeah. I think we, my sister-in-law, I drove up just to take a look at him and do like a trial ride. So I was like, you know, I, like, I trust my friend Jackie that she's not going to try to pawn off something crazy on me. And we hopped on him and dorked around in an indoor arena for like 10 minutes. And I was like, this horse seems like a dude. (laughs) So she had been trying to jump him and farm. She was boarding him at, did a lot of team roping. Mm -hmm. And apparently he would come up to the the pasture fence and watch the cows go back and forth. And he seemed kind of into it. And conveniently, he was also like really clumsy at jumping. <laughs> so so and I was like, that works for me. You know, like maybe he's not a talented jumper, but if he seems into this cow thing, I bet we can work it out. And he's really, really taken to working cows. I was going to so. ask, like, was he just terrified of cows? I'm just wondering how you got him started. That's, we don't hear a lot of thoroughbreds going into cow work. I think you know, with the work with the Western Thoroughbred, we're seeing more of it. Like they're kind of coming out of the woodworks and you're like, oh man, they can do it. But yeah, how how did you handle getting him ready for the makeover for this? So I knew that he'd already been exposed to cattle, you know, and he had seen, he'd also seen cattle running away from horses, watching a lot of team roping. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know if, yeah, I really, I don't know how much horses learn by observing other horses, but I'd like to think, you know, he at least was like, okay, well, cows do this thing. Um, the first couple of rides, I ponied him off of an older horse that I have, um, mm-hmm. who's 28, <laughs> good old Winston. He's a good guy. Um, and my pony jobber, I was like, well, the horse is used to being ponied and it seems like a safer way to get him into the herd of cows. And we would just sort of crisscross the herd out in the pasture and, you know, let them move away. And we just sort of stand there and watch them eat. And, you know, we didn't do anything real wild with chasing them around, but just so he understood, like, they're cool. We can stand here. We can go through them. They'll move out of your way. Sometimes you can pin your ears at them and they'll move a little faster. (laughs) And I only did that for probably two or three rides. And then I just put the saddle on and just rode around into the, into the pasture. And he was like, yeah, this is cool. So, so he really got uh, to then, find his sport. You know, he's like, this I is my, he did. And this I, is my know, job. Again, <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. But very lucky, you know, because I happened to match up with a horse that really thrives in this job. So I realized, you know, like this is maybe not the conventional first thoroughbred story, but <laughs> I'm very happy that this is how it worked out for us. So yeah, and I don't have an arena at all. I do all of my riding out in the pasture. Um, so it was pretty critical for me to get a horse that was quiet. Um, and a horse that adjusted really well to not having, you know, four walls or four fences around him all the time. So, Absolutely. so a large part of the year training for the makeover was just getting him comfortable out in those spaces. So now that it's year two, now I'm like, oh man, if I could have done all this stuff last year, we would have been on fire at the makeover. Because now he's really starting to, you know, take contact and round his back and step yeah, under and really I saw you on the, his top line. the Western thoroughbred stories that you had taken over and, you know, 
tell us a little bit about the event you just did this week. It was the New York Rain Cow Horse Association, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's been really fun. This is the association's 10th year. The year it was founded, I was actually one of the founding members um, when I was still at Alfred University. So um, my mentor and I um, got a bunch of people together and we got that association started because range cow horse is a very new discipline for New York State. And it's I know every discipline says that their discipline is the hardest one, but I like firmly believe that range cow horse has got to be among the hardest things you can do on a horse because it, when it goes well, it looks so easy that you're like, oh, yeah, I could do that, that, whatever. <laughs> but I don't think that at all when I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, good. So, you know, you're the rest of us, you know, we sit up in the bleachers and we're like, oh, I would have done that differently, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get out there and we're like, I don't know what I'm doing. But <laughs> you have, you know, not only your horse's brain and four feet, but you also then have the cow's brain and four feet. And you're trying to, you know, get all three brains and eight feet all working together. Um, and it, it does not always go that well. So. <laughs> very challenging discipline. It takes a ton of coordination, really good timing. You have to be able to read cattle and your horse just has to be broke, broke, broke. So I think maybe like 10 years from now, check in with us, you know, <laughs> and we'll see how broke we really are. But the the traditional range cow horse they show in, it's just called the bridle, but it's a fairly elaborate ported bit with a roller and a spade bit is also acceptable. I believe, uh, again, we're still years away from this point. I did try the, the roller bit on him this weekend with a friend and with the Ramel Reigns, and he actually responded fairly well to it. So I think it, it maybe is not like as far off of a goal as I thought to maybe make the world's first thoroughbred bridal horse. <laughs> but, you know, it's going to take several, several years um, just because we're, we're just now starting to sort of put more of the pieces into place. But the New York Association has a lot of green horse classes um, and green rider classes. It's very green friendly, which is great. Um, so there were about probably 100 horses there this weekend. Um, and it's really neat for me to see that association grow because when we started, you know, we'd be lucky if we had maybe 30 people there for a weekend. So, so it's awesome to see it really grow. Now it's from where I live all the way on the western end of New York. It's about a five-hour trip to get down downstate where they're hosting these shows so it's a little bit of a trek so we got home at about one o'clock this morning (laughs) so if i sound a little tired or i'm like veering you know way off track here i'm i'm a little poor show hungover it's a thing (laughs) but the real thing (laughs) oh yeah oh it's totally a thing so um but we had a really good trip it was our very last show because the last show in the season of course is makeover weekend so now that i work for the retired resource project that is my priority for the rest of the fall so uh, so yeah. no more horse shows for us, but we had a great, great trip. So, and what really warmed my heart this time, and you know, like maybe I shed a few tears yesterday, was that like the strangers are coming to the rail to watch Jobber perform, and they're cheering for him. Um, someone out in the out gate came up to me and she said, "What time do you show? Are you in this next class?" And I told her, and she's like, "Oh, great! I'm going to go get a spot by the rail. I want to watch you." I was like. That was weird. <laughs> that was like the the first of probably three or four different times over the weekend where people came up to me and they were like, this is so cool what you're doing. I want to watch your next class. And people stayed late on Sunday to watch him. And I was just like floored and humbled and flattered by the amount of attention that this horse gets. And it's not because he's like particularly talented, (laughs) but I think it's, you know, he's got such a good little attitude and I think he really is changing people's perceptions on what a thoroughbred can do. You know, and again, he's not going to go out and like win the world show next year, but but he tries so hard, and I think people can see that he's trying and he's improving. And you know, we just try to go in with a good attitude and have a good time, and and I think it's sort of spreading. So so I was maybe a few tears were shed yesterday. You've when. done a great <laughs> job, you know, documenting your story too as it's been coming along, and 
yeah, I think Jobber is just a fan favorite and he's really representing the Western thoroughbred so well. So, you know, kudos on you for that. Well, you thank know, you. It's, it's great good. to watch on my end too, because it's hard work. And be- before we wrap, because I could talk to you forever, Kristen, I, you I mentioned, could talk about Jobber for hours. So, you know, we could couldn't we all that. though? He's so <laughs> handsome and great. <laughs> but, He's just uh, the best. Yeah, he really is. I wanted to touch base on your new position with the Retired Racehorse Project and what fans can look forward to who are coming out to it this year. The makeover this year is going to be awesome. So uh, if you think you have a regular horse show hangover, like after a regular weekend, you'll definitely have a makeover hangover, whether you're competing or attending, because there's a lot going on. So the schedule's a little bit different this year. Uh, Preliminary competition is going to take place on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, so you'll be able to see all 10 disciplines over those two days. And then Friday is a day off from competition, but our really cool makeover masterclass is going to take place. The masterclass, that features three different trainers. Um, they get to demonstrate basically what they like to do for a horse's first ride. So we bring in three horses from three reputable aftercare organizations. And we put three round pens uh, in the indoor arena. And there's some commentators to kind of help keep things moving. And every trainer has a mic and they will basically start course right before your eyes. Um, so a little bit like road to the horse, but without the competition factor. So it's like truly educational. So you can, you know, it's like a really cool, maybe three hour total clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll assess confirmation. Each trainer talks about what they like to see. They're going to do a little free jumping um, and then they'll take them for their first rides. So that's going to be really, really cool. And that is, Uh, Free to attend, so you just get into the first part, and anybody can come to that. That's highly recommended. Our seminars are on Friday as well, and then we'll have our competitor party. That's going to be off property this year, Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun, really good food. And then, of course, finale day on Saturday. So it is an action-packed four days. Uh, Sounds like it's going to be amazing, though. It's just going to be a big party. Yeah, you're coming down, right? We will be there, so we'll definitely have to catch up and stop by for our margarita station. Oh, heck yes. Awesome. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. You yes, you do. Thank you. Do. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> and where can people follow Jobber's story as they want to learn more about working? Oh, yeah. Ranch? So, <laughs> yeah, I'm still blogging a little bit on Horse Nation. So if you mm-hmm. search Horse Nation for Racehorse to Ranch Horse, that's the name of his blog series. And then he also has his own Facebook page, of course, because who doesn't? And that is Jobber Bill Racehorse to Ranch Horse. And I think I just hashtag all his stuff on Instagram with hashtag Jobber Bill. So it's such Very, a cool name. So it's a great it's name. It's the perfect ranch horse name. It is, you know, and like they say it over the loudspeaker and people kind of look around because it's not like, you know, check bar, new, whatever, cowboy, you know, like all those quarter horse names. And I'm like, it's me, Jobber Bill. So I love it. It's a good name. Well, <laughs> thanks too. again, Kristen, for coming on and make sure to follow Kristen and all of her adventures. And we'll see you at their thoroughbred makeover this year thank you i'm looking forward to it all right bye bye well if you've been listening to this program for more than i don't know just today you know that there is something that you need to add to your line of clothing and that is smooth stride jeans it's comfortable stretch denim functional riding jeans and it has a built-in cell phone pocket on top of the thigh. The phone will not fall out when you mount or you dismount. And best of all, it has a waist that is designed specifically for riders. It's a little higher in the back for coverage, you know, when you're picking a hoof or something. Nobody needs to see your butt crack. Uh, so there, it is, it is higher in the back. 
lower in the front and the front rise is lower for your comfort, kind of like bicycle pants for additional comfort in the saddle. The best feature of the jeans is that there is no lump in the seat area. Unlike, you know, all the other blue jeans on the market, they're seamless. There's no seam on the inside of the jeans and they have them in full seat or just regular old plain riding jeans. And my favorite is the extended knee patch. The leather starts kind of above the knee and goes all the way down to the floor. We're not talking about like bicycle, you know, motorcycle people leather. This is like riding kind of suede, sticky kind of leather. And they're washable. You just throw in the washing machine. I've had mine forever. The sizes range from four to 22. So they can fit just about anybody. You can go check them out and look at it at smoothstride.com designed and owned by an eventer and a horse chick. And she rides in them all the time. And uh, I just love them. So check it out. Smoothstride.com. Well, it's our time to have our RRP Spotlight Rider on, and we have Claire Mansman with us today. Claire is a veteran of the Thoroughbred Makeover. She's done it a couple years now. It looks like with support of your husband, too. Claire, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So tell us, how many times have you done the makeover? Um, I think this is our fourth year, and I always say our because like the first year my husband ended up riding, the second year... I ended up having a horse and he ca- did a catch ride when they were letting, uh, letting them do a catch ride. So, you know, we're, we're a, we're a team effort. I love it. I love it. I wish my husband would get involved on right? that level. How do you get a husband <laughs> that rides? What? Well, well, yeah, that was, that was, that's a whole nother interview problem. <laughs> <laughs> Put her down for horses in the morning, Glenn. Yes. I love it. Yeah, so for this support. year, is it, is it you competing then with, uh, we both have horses this year. Last year oh, and this year, cool. we actually both have horses. But, you know, unless they sell or or, or abscess. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> unless they sell or they break. They, we're going. Yeah. So you're we obviously successful with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> marginally. Marginally. So tell us about the horses that you guys are planning on bringing then. Yeah, so we have, actually, we have a really neat crew this year. And, you know, every year we've done it, we've, we've, uh, increased our entry we've got oh we should have bought an extra entry so this year we were like fine we'll just oh we'll do four entries you know between the two of us and um we actually have four horses that that uh, that may end up going which is uh, impressive we have the the first one is the first one we got is alarming who's a really really neat horse that came to us through mid-atlantic horse rescue which has two horses through mid-atlantic they're a, a phenomenal organization and alarming was brought by them to the horse park last year. We were one of the trainers that did the makeover masterclass. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, it us and Rosie Napravnik and Elizabeth James, and we drew straws for horses. There were three horses in the Coliseum and we picked alarming and got to showcase how we would start them. Of course, if we were to regularly start horses in the Coliseum at the Kentucky horse park for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> like um, totally normal. Totally normal, totally normal. But it was a really neat experience. We obviously uh, uh, got to know the horses really well. We got to know those trainers uh, really well, um, and and so we're all friends now, which is nice. And it was it was a neat experience. So many different um, different ways of doing things, but that all really work out in the end. And and we kind of you know, we wanted alarming pretty much from the time we saw him, whether we drew him or not, because um, he was kind of he checks all the boxes. Um, and then, but we didn't have space in our trailer on the way home. So he went back with Bev and uh, we started talking pretty shortly after that about getting him to our farm. So we got him pretty early 
and um, he hung out for a little bit, and then we started him in December. So we've had a good bit of time with him. He's a, um, a very funny, so full of personality horse. There's really no other way to describe him. And then has, you know, started to show some some very athletic ability as well. And and so then, so I'm riding him. It was originally, usually what happens is my husband starts the horses and, you know, we start them together, but a lot of times he'll, he'll get on them first. He's a good cowboy. And, and then he starts making them really nice. And then I decide that I would like to ride them too. <laughs> so I've gotten several horses that were sort of, you know, nice tall horses for him. And then I sort of, I sort of stole them. So I stole alarming <laughs> from him. And we had a horse come into training, Brendan Moon. He's a rather large horse. He's over 17 hands. And he came in for training. And then it was decided over the course of his training that they'd like to uh, see him go to the makeover. So we're taking him. And he also, he, he and Moon, actually, they both have Malibu Moon. Um, he and Alarming both have Malibu Moon in their line. And so um, they're both have athletic, boisterous enthusiasm. And so they're really fun horses. And Tom will ride him. And then we have Make It Right, who also came from Mid-Atlantic. And he was one that we had seen online. And I saw his confirmation picture. And he's just about the cutest thing I've ever seen. I kept looking at him. And I kept showing my husband. And very often, horses just sort of show up. So we don't actually select them really all that often. But I kept seeing him. And, and um, he has an interesting story. He had a, a non-displaced fracture in his knee. And so he has giant... Uh, giant screws in his knees. Uh, but he's been cleared for everything. He's been flexed. He's been looked at by many uh, veterinarians and it was uh, rehabbed very, very well. So I know that maybe originally why people were a little bit um, not not up for adopting him right away. So we really wanted to show that he, I mean, he's been cleared to, to go to Land Rover if that were his wheelhouse. And um, I think he's more of a, of a hunter type. So I don't know that that's going to be what he wants to do, but he could. So we really kind of wanted to show that He's work out and be a really great horse for somebody. And his brain is probably the best we've ever seen, ever. Um, he's unbelievable. He's only four years old. Then, kind of last minute, we got highly cynical. So we have a, a four-year-old who didn't race very much, to a five-year-old, to a seven-year-old, to an eight-year-old who raced 54 times. Um, he's a California bred, and he was racing in Arizona, and they just won this year some races, but they just decided that they'd like to see him moved on, his owners, and sent him out to us. And um, with him, he's going very well. But if he's, you know, if we think that it's a little too much or we'll be rushing him a little bit, he won't go, but he is entered. So if he's ready, he'll go. And if we decide that it's better for him just to stay home, he'll just stay home. So what divisions are you competing these guys in? Alarming is doing eventing and show jumping, which I a little bit thought I love the eventing. And it's really what our background is. But I was like, I have to do a whole event and show jump. And then Peter's going to do hunters. And we entered him in Western dressage. Uh, simply to look super cute. Um, and I, <laughs> we have a really good dressage background and we have people to help us with the Western dressage, but and he could have just done dressage as well. But when, and then I have belt buckles up and I don't think I'm going to win the belt buckle, but I was going to give it a go. Oh yeah. I want a belt <laughs> buckle. Then, I know, I know. And then uh, Brigham Moon is doing uh, hunters and jumpers and highly cynical is entered field hunter and rant. Um, and he will, school and all of those things. And then we're going to decide if he does, uh, you know, one, one, both or neither. He's already started with obstacles and things like that. And he's, he's just, you know, those war horses, he's so smart. Um, and he's very, very willing. Um, but, um, yeah, we won't, you will decide we wanted to enter both because he figured he'll do one or the other. Tom really kind of wants to do ranch too. 
um, we, I guess we have this like secret desire to be cowboys. Wow, this—I mean, this is crazy. Like, I'm having such a hard time just figuring out one discipline, and you've got like eight different disciplines going on there. That is amazing. She's basically the Wonder Woman of like ride makeover. Well, you know, we always we actually a lot of times we're like we don't need to enter two divisions each, but then we do, (laughs) and then we always say, well, we can always scratch one, and then we don't. So um, we'll we'll see. We also have two children that will be there with us, and so oh lord. And then we have two students going that are entering, you know, two divisions each that we'll be coaching. So we'll be we'll be real tired. I think I lost <laughs> weight actually about halfway. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> the like you. Last year. Yeah, of course. I mean, and so here's the deal. We're going to be broadcasting live and doing this show while we're there. And I'm competing as well. But I was going to say you should come by. But when the hell are you going to have time? We might have to find you. Uh, I think that's going to happen. You know, we we, we camp on site and uh, we try to manage our time enough that we we, we have so much fun with the horses. But we try to have um, a lot of fun break time, too. And then our goal is that the horses are prepared enough. Um, That's what we've been we've been. Every year we've learned more about how to prepare them um, for life in general, but also for the makeover so mm-hmm. that um, it's not as much work when we're there. <laughs> okay. So with all of these horses, I'm going to be a first timer at the makeover. What is a, a really brilliant life-saving piece of advice you would give a first timer at the makeover? Let's see. Well, I thought it couldn't be probably be one thing. I will, I will say, um, give me a list. It's fine. I'm, I got a pen. I would say, I would say hire a braider. I've always braided my own. I'm really picky about it, but I was braid. I can't do hunter braids. So I've, I've always hired that out. But anyway, just so happens at the, at the park, there are so many talented braiders. And okay. so you, you don't, you don't need to do that yourself. And yeah, I don't know why I, I kept braiding the horses. Like my husband uh, was like, "Would you like why?" And I was because I get I get it's a little. I, I'm actually not too nitpicky about a lot of things except braids. And so anyway, I've let that go this year. I've hired out my braiding. It's mostly keeping. You know what I actually did? I I print out or draw all of the the maps of of everything, whether it be you know stabling maps the when the rings are open which schooling rings are open and my pattern you know because like last year I had branch pattern dressage and then eventing dressage and then the show jump pattern plus the courses and I'm pretty good at logging things into my short-term memory but I put all of them in a ziploc bag and take them to the stall doors nice anybody walking by could see all of that and then I had the the list of timing of the schedules and that made it really easy because you're always rifling through your through your things, so that's a that's a pretty good tip I think that um, works for me. Um, and then I also take pictures of all those things on my phone because if I'm not at the stalls, I always have my phone, um, like a good you know person in 2018. Always have my phone with me. <laughs> 2019, uh, so you're a little behind. <laughs> oh, that was last. That was last year. I got you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, so so far, hire a braider and stay flipping organized. Mm-hmm. And then, like, laugh a lot, like, <laughs> all the time. I mean, and I forget stuff. I, and everything's so nice there. I I was riding. I think it was two years ago. I was on a horse that just he's like the sweatiest horse ever. And I I never ride in gloves, and I didn't have my gloves. Couldn't find my gloves, and he was sweating. It was super hot, and the the reins were just sliding through my fingers. And he was, you know, he was excited and stuff. And I just found a random person and borrowed gloves and then couldn't find them again. So I like laid them on my tech trunk with a sign. And then later they came by and took the gloves. No. Uh, 
you know, so it's such a great group of people. Um, so being willing to ask for help, I've handed my phone to random people to take a video if, if our crew isn't nearby, uh, especially when we're all riding. So you just, you just find a person and say, hey, would you video me? And they'll, they'll do that and, you know, have somebody hold your horse, give you water, never turn down the help because there's always somebody there that's willing. And, and sometimes, you know, we horse people, we get a little too independent and we don't need to be here is uh, it's a definitely a team effort and even if you haven't met that team before you can uh, you can employ them everybody's kind of there for each other i mean we're all here for one mission you know and that is to educate yeah. and rehome and educate racehorses that have come off the track and also to prove what amazing ambassadors these thoroughbreds are for the sport for all sports exactly, and how yeah, and we want, we want to see everybody do well. You know, I mean, it's the coolest thing to see somebody out there and go and put in a test or do a barrel pattern or sort cattle. And you're like, Oh my gosh, you guys are so cool. Like, you yeah. know, we're really celebrating the horse. And, and so everybody, everybody really wants people to do really well. I mean, if there's anybody out there that doesn't, then I promise it'll be their last year. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Gotcha. Well, this uh, sounds like, okay, so I've got ask for help, net, hire a braider, stay organized and find your campground because it sounds like they're the parties at your place. If we're awake, <laughs> um, the party will be there. No. or, or it's usually just at the, at the stall. So find our stall, find our stall. Okay. It should be entertaining. Okay. Um, okay. If we're there. Well, perfect. We'll put a GPS tracker. We'll bounce around. Claire, <laughs> where can people find you if they want to follow your story to the makeover? Uh, sure. So our um, our Facebook page is probably what we update the most, and that's Specific Farms Incorporated. And we have an Instagram account as well that was hacked last year, actually, oddly, and uh, which was an entertaining story. We we try to have stuff on there, and then that's it. I I, I don't understand Twitter, <laughs> but that's <laughs> where we really funny. keep up to speed on things. And then I do. I've been writing uh, blog posts for Eventing Nation, and so I try to chronicle things on there as well. Very cool. And we'll post links to all that for our listeners as well. Claire, thank you so much for coming on today. It has been a pleasure and we can't wait to cheer for you and all four of your horses at the makeover this year. Thank you. Can't wait to see you guys there. All right. Cool, girl. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding firm is taking second, but California Chrome shines bright in the Kentucky Derby. And now it's time for the New Vocations Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. It is that time for our Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week from New Vocations. And we have Leandra and Sarah on with us. Hey, guys, thanks for coming on. Hello. Hey. All right. Well, who's going to tell us about the horse today, Leandra or Sarah? Leandra. Okay, Leandra, who are who are we adopting this week? The horse this week is named Wild About Jack. We call her Jackie at the barn, uh, as the name can be confused for either sex, really. But she is a Kentucky-bred seven-year-old mare, a horse that came without injuries to us. She just wasn't very competitive, our favorite type of horse. She has proven herself to be quite the athlete, one who could go in basically any direction, She's one that I really haven't pegged as one discipline or another because she shows so much versatility. And on the ground, she's proven to be a really steady, good companion. Our farrier loves her. She has good feet. And even our farrier student uses her, the reliable one, to sort of practice 
on when she's there. So she's been a really neat one to have around the barn. She's looking for somebody who is as ambitious as she is and who can be patient and set good guidelines, but also be gentle like so many of them need. But for that type of person, we think that she could go in basically any direction, like I said, but then really whatever level she and her rider partner want to go to. So sky's the limit. Okay. So I'm looking at her and confirmationally, she is drop dead gorgeous. I mean, her legs are, but she's a solid dark bay, 16 hands, not a lick of white on her, which I love. And she's got the black legs, you know, that, that comes with like a really classic looking bay. Mocha color. Like she's stunning. But her shoulder is nice. She's confirmationally really well built. Her angles are really good. She's just stunning. So you're right. I mean, you can't really peg her as any one discipline. It seems like she'd probably do it all. Yeah, definitely. So Sarah, are you getting excited about the retired racehorse project, the the thoroughbred makeover? We are. We are. We're going to attempt to get through our horse show first. (laughs) Oh, But then we are... Definitely looking forward to having a couple ambassadors at the thoroughbred makeover. Sure. So I'm we, sure. Do you know how have, many? And I don't know how many ambassadors we'll have at the actual makeover. We have about 400 horses that are planning to come to Kentucky in the next mm, three weeks, essentially. So, in all honesty, we're just trying to survive that before we get focused on the makeover. Well, tell us, when is that show? I mean, because I'm going to protest because I think it's totally unfair that all these horses that are slated for the makeover get to come and show at the horse park before the makeover. It's like not fair. I'm in Oklahoma. Right? I can't do it. But you're you're absolutely right. And that is we, we offer our horse show is September 6th, 7th and 8th. And we run the new vocation show in conjunction with the Thoroughbred Incentive Program uh, Championship. So we do two days of a new vocation show and one day of tip champs. And it really, we are, we definitely recognize every makeover grad who is there and also those horses who are aimed at the 2019 makeover. Because like you said, it, it's pretty cool that they get to get on the grounds and because the horse park can be a pretty intimidating venue. <laughs> yeah, that's a, probably a of all the things that I'm training my horse towards, it is it is that that I think is my biggest fear is the Kentucky horse park and its madness, sheer size and activity and all of the things. So this is great. So the new vocation show, is it for all thoroughbreds or new vocations thoroughbreds? What is it for? It's for all thoroughbreds. They just have to have a tip number, which means that they are recognized by the jockey club or by another stud book that is acknowledged by the jockey club. And we have everything from classes that are literally just walk trot for horses who have just retired from the track to all the way up to about the three, six jumpers and the three foot hunters. And this year we actually added, we're trying to also really showcase the versatility of the thoroughbred. So we're also adding some Western ranch riding classes. We added a trail class. And we added some additional, we added a driving class, Western dressage, because we really, you know, it's really important that people recognize that they don't just excel in the hunter jumper ring. I recognize that. I think I thought everybody <laughs> thought they were the best eventers in the world. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. But it's been really fun. You know, we had, um, we're expecting hopefully right about 400 horses this year. So 
which is enormous. We have a girl shipping down from Canada. She's hauling 16 hours to come to the show. So it's oh, a lot of a lot of pressure to put on a good show. I'm really like, please just be nice weather this year. We got a ton of rain on Champs Day last year. So we're hoping for a little reprieve for everybody who's all hauling in from all over the country. That's going to be absolutely amazing. Where can people go? Are entries still open? Where can people go to sign up? They actually just closed. I will always take more volunteers, and we also always encourage people to come and watch as well. But it's newvocations.org. Under the event tab, it's the All Thoroughbred Horse Show. Fantastic. You guys, it is always a pleasure talking with you. And Wild About Jack, or Jackie, I I don't even know if I said she was a mare, which she is uphill. She's got a great shoulder. She's balanced. She's got a beautiful head. She's on a special right now until September 2nd, guys. She is originally $1,000, and she's now $679, which I know seems like a lot. Don't tell your husband. Adopt the horse. It's worth Dude, it. it's like she's free. Okay? I mean, come on. $679 for that specimen. Fantastic. You guys mm-hmm. do a fantastic job. You can find her at horseadoption.com. Wild About Jack. Go to New Vocations website as well, and you can find out about the horse show. Go volunteer. Leandra and Sarah, as always, awesome to have you all on. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, guys. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Retired Racehorse Radio, and you can follow us and the whole network at Horse Radio on Twitter. You can email Jamie at jamie at horseradionetwork.com or email me at joy at horseradio.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram, Joy H. Equestrian. Thank you so much to all our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Smooth Stride Jeans, and Cashel Products. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network and horseradionetwork.com. Remember, don't forget to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and guild. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.